You're listening to the Welcome to Babylon podcast, a discussion about living and loving like Jesus in the midst of a post-Christian culture. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode eight of the Welcome to Babylon podcast. I'm your host, Keith Caps, here with Phil Kramer, lead pastor of Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. How's it going, Phil? Man, it's going great, Keith. We're having a great, great week so far. Yes, great week and such a great weekend, man. We had our Trunk and Treat event yesterday and, man, what, over 2,100 people on campus? It was incredible. People everywhere. Um, And my favorite part was getting to dunk you in the dunking booth. So thank you for that opportunity. Well, you know, Keith, I mean, I'm I'm still warming up after being in that frigid water and uh, the dunk tank was great. I mean, it, it was, it's a lot of fun, and I think it's always important for us as pastors to remember our humble roots and be willing to take one for the team and get dunked. That's right. Um, so I propose that next year that we let you, you know, take the majority of that time, and as Dr. Phil Kramer, we can call it Dunk-A-Doc. So. Well, that you know, we could do that, man. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> I'll, I'll pray about that. How about we'll that? We'll see. All right, all right. Speaking of praying, man, what a great message yesterday. A praying church in Babylon. Uh, such a challenging, convicting message and one that, um, that I, I hope really impacts. I know it impacted me, and I feel like uh, it did our congregation as well. So let's jump right into just a recap in, in what we talked about yesterday. Um, so we're in Daniel, um, and you started out by mentioning that Daniel was a spirit-filled man. Um, and when we're talking about prayer, Phil, why is the filling of the Spirit important, and what does it mean for us as Christians to be spirit-filled? Wow. Well, first of all, in a nutshell, to be spirit-filled simply means that you're yielding yourself over to the Lord. I mean, you are yielding every every nook and cranny of your life over to God and, and allowing His Holy Spirit to fill those places in your life uh, that, that, that previously were untouched by God, you know, just that, that, that the flesh kind of held as a, as a stronghold. Uh, I, I am more convinced now than ever that prayer paves the road to the Spirit-filled life. Uh, and so in terms of abiding in Jesus... I believe you ultimately abide in Jesus through prayer, but not just prayer in, in maybe the, the superficial traditional sense where we're just talking, 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 and taking our shopping list to the Lord, but truly abiding, seeking the face of God and not seeking the hand of God. Uh, seeking God for the sake of knowing God better and more deeply and more intimately, and then bringing those needs uh, to Him. Uh, I think uh, it's important because, as we said yesterday in the message, nothing screams self-dependence more than a shallow or non-existent prayer life. I mean, because if you're not depending on the Lord, who are you depending on? Yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And, you know, if I'm being honest, there there, there are times where I can find myself getting into that and, and just kind of uttering words and where the Bible says that we don't even really know the things that we should pray for. And so the Spirit... Um, helps in that. Um, That's really good. Um, So Daniel was a spirit-filled man, but you also mentioned that Daniel was a blameless man. So he was a man of integrity. You mentioned that his private and his public life were the same. There was consistency. Obviously, he wasn't perfect, but he certainly valued personal holiness. Phil, what does that have to do with our prayer lives? Um, And what can we do when we fall short in that pursuit? Well, first of all, I mean, D- Daniel yielded himself to God three times a day. 
you know, which is huge. I mean, Daniel took the time to remind himself and to remind specifically his flesh that the flesh wasn't in charge, God was in charge. And Galatians chapter 5 tells us, and chapter 6 tells us that that's something we have to do on a regular basis, right? There's, there's two, uh, you know, th there's two forces inside of us as followers of Jesus, the, the Spirit of God and the flesh. The flesh is that part of us that opposes God, that wants to do what it wants to do, and we're always going to have this battle until we step into glory in heaven. It's, and I've shared this with our church before. It's like the little, uh, the little parable, Native American parable. You know, the little boy says, "Hey, Grandpa, there, I feel like there's something going on inside of me." And, and the grandpa says, "It's two wolves," you know, and they're fighting and they're fighting for dominance. And the little boy says, "Which one will win?" And the grandpa says, "Whichever one you feed." Prayer and 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 confessing our dependence upon God in prayer feeds the spirit. Sowing to the spirit is what it says in Galatians six verse eight. I believe it is. And so to sow to the Spirit in prayer is, is incredibly important because that sets the stage to be able to walk in the Spirit rather than justifying or, or should I say, gratifying the, the works of the flesh. Now, what happens when we do sin, either against God or people or, or both at the same time? Well, again, you, you, you make it right with God, you make it right with people, and, and certainly you do that through prayer and through humility. Again, it all goes back to prayer. Yeah, that's good. Um, and, you know, thinking about Daniel and the fact that he he spent that time with God three times a day, um, man, that is so convicting because it's easy to just, um, you know, say a quick prayer on the way out the door or in the car. And um, certainly prayer is important, but it, it's not just a one-time check-the-box thing. Um, it is a continuous need, right? I, I want to continuously be dependent on the Lord, um, just like Daniel. So that I appreciate that. Well, I, w I would say this, Keith. You know that, and, and one thing I didn't hit on uh, yesterday was kind of the biblical basis for that three times a day prayer. Uh, nobody really knows because the Bible doesn't specifically say why Daniel pr prayed three times a day. Some people say it was in correspondence to the the temple offerings back in Jerusalem, or some people say it was having to do with the meal. You know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, th there is one passage in Isaiah. Uh, where David talks about praying in the morning, in the evening, and at midday. And, and a lot of people think that, that Daniel was simply taking his cues from David's best practices. But I don't, I don't want to make that into a legalistic uh, you know, litmus test. Oh, I have to pray three times a day, hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, um, thank you for clarifying that. Um, and, and I agree. Like, I don't, I don't ever want it to become legalistic, but mm -hmm. um, definitely there are some practical things we can do, right? I have an app on my phone. I think it's called the Pause app um, that, you know, certain times throughout the day, I'll, I'll get a little notification that says, hey, take a minute um, to just focus your mind. Um, and, you know, it'll sometimes include a scripture or things like that. Um, so those things are helpful for me. Um, reminding me, hey, don't don't depend on yourself. Uh, you Absolutely, got to depend on God. That's good. So Daniel, he was spirit filled. He was blameless. But kind of the crux of the message is that he was a praying man. Uh, so much so that you mentioned that Daniel would rather die than neglect his prayer life. Um, and and Phil, I want to be like Daniel with, with that kind of priority of prayer. But if I'm being honest, I don't, I don't know if I'm there. You know, if someone came to me today and said, if you continue to pray to God, I'm going to kill you, um, I don't know how I would respond. I don't know that I've ever put myself in those shoes before, um, but I want to be, I want to have that same kind of courage like Daniel. Um, and 
I want to be in a place where I make prayer a priority in my everyday life so much that I can't live without it. How do we start to get there? Mm. Well, Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, you get a taste. You don't have to eat a seven-course meal right off the bat in prayer, but but just to get a taste uh, by, by, by simply being very honest in how you pray to the Lord and just say, God, I mean, and pray Scripture, by the way. You don't, you don't even have to come up with your own words in a sense. Just pray Scripture. I mean, I think about Psalm 42. We actually prayed this yesterday in church. As, deer, as a deer pants for, for the flowing streams of water, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And then listen to this at the end of verse 2. When shall I come and appear before God? Really, the sense is, when, when is the next time that I get to come and spend time with God? You know, I mean, we, we have this desire for God to the point where we, we go to bed at night looking forward to meeting with God in the morning. You know, I mean, that, that, that's what happens when you taste and see that the Lord is good. The other thing I would say is it's always important to be around people who are praying people, which is one of the great things about some of these touch points that we talked about yesterday, whether it's House of Prayer uh, or other times when uh, even Prayer Partner Network, where our prayer partners are praying together in a small group behind the stage uh, in our prep room back there, uh, because you get around people who know how to pray, right? And, and I'm not under any illusion that everyone is on the same level when it comes to prayer. Some people have been doing it a lot longer than others. Uh, some people have a little more depth in, in, in the area of prayer than others. That's okay. But the, one of the best things that ever happened to me was as a, as a brand new Christian, the first two or three months that I was saved, I started going to a little Tuesday morning men's prayer gathering at my church. And I was a, a senior in high school. I show up at 6.30 on Tuesday mornings, and we'd pray for about 30 or 40 minutes, uh, going around the horn and so forth. And, and I, just, I heard these men pray. I didn't know anything about prayer. But a year later, I walked away from that, uh, graduating high school and leaving home. And I, I had grown by leaps and bounds in my prayer life because I had spent some time with people who knew how to pray. Hmm, that's good. And I appreciate you bringing that up because like the disciples asked Jesus to, to teach them to pray. Um, so certainly it implies that it is something that can, can be taught and can be learned and that we can grow in. Um, so great, great point there. Um, well, to be honest, Phil, Prayer isn't easy, right? It, it, it's not something that is necessarily the easiest thing in the world. In fact, it's often difficult. Um, so what would you say to someone who may struggle with prayer and, and may say that sometimes prayer seems like it's more of a chore than a joy, um, or sometimes I just don't feel like praying? Um, is prayer something that should be something that is a joy that, that we have this good feeling about, or is it more of a discipline that we force ourselves to do, or can it be both? Well, certainly it's both in a sense. I mean, there's a joy there. Uh, it is a discipline. It's a battle. Uh, let's face it, again, going back to Galatians 5 and 6, man, we're talking about a battle, a knockdown, drag-out battle that's taking place inside of our hearts. The, f- the last thing the flesh wants us to do is to pray. The flesh is fine with us going to Bible studies. The flesh is fine with us ministering in our own strength. The flesh is fine with all of these different things, but the flesh does not want us to pray. And so to recognize that it is a battle, is that's part of the, the entire thing of learning how to pray, is recognizing that there's something, oh, really? You mean there's something inside of me that does not want me to pray? Yes, that's why you struggle. That's why you prefer to stay in bed or whatever else, right? And so that you know, it's important to realize that but again, tasting and seeing the goodness of, of what God does in our lives through prayer, 
I think is what really gets the ball rolling in terms of having a, a more healthy prayer life. Yeah, that that's very helpful. Um, and I'm going to throw one out there that I didn't tell you about, so I'm sorry in advance for this. But Uh-oh. but uh, you mentioned uh, you mentioned the importance of intentionality. Um, I think about um, the importance of having a time in a space. Um, you know, where, where you say, I'm going to pray. Can you talk a little bit about why is that so important, uh, being intentional and in planning that out? Well, some people are a little more creatures of habit than others. I mean, I, I am a I am a, an immense creature of habit. I get the same thing at every restaurant I go to. I mean, you know, my wife could tell you exactly. I mean, she knows all my little routines and everything else. But I've got a place where I go and pray. I've got a couch at the house, and I get up in the mornings, and I go into this room, and it is completely dark. Uh, the ceiling fan is on. That's about the only noise that there is. And then I go in and I kneel down by that couch. And I just, I mean, I, I, I love it's so comfortable. It's, it's so familiar to me. Uh, same thing when we go to House of Prayer on Wednesday nights. I mean, I love walking in the worship center, hearing the, the little music playing. And, and I go kneel down on one of the prayer benches and, and just spend some time with the Lord there. So I, I like um, familiar space. And, and I think it does. I mean, Jesus said, go to your prayer closet. I mean, have, have a place dedicated, if, if at all possible. Yeah, that's definitely more helpful for me. You know, in times where I, I'm a little more reactive, um, I find that I'm, I'm more open to distractions or things that will come up, and I just don't get to it. I have to be very intentional with saying, this is, um, this is my plan for prayer. Um, so when we do pray, you know, you mentioned that prayer is primarily about what God wants to do in us rather than what God is or isn't doing, quote-unquote, out there. Um, so what did you mean by that? And because the way I grew up, you know, prayer was most often a way for me to just tell God about all the things that I want Him to do for me. Um, is that primarily what prayer is about? Well, going back to the, uh, the, the metaphorical language that we see in the Bible, you know, seeking God's face before we seek His hand. You know, when you're seeking the face of God, you're saying, God, I want to know you, Psalm 63, God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you, my soul longs for you, my body thirsts for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. There's nothing in that verse about, God, I need X. Now, again, there's a time and a place for that, but I take my cues from Jesus here. Two things, Matthew 6, 10, part of Jesus' prayer, the Lord's Prayer, where he said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, when you're telling God, God, I want your will to be done in my life, that's huge. Now, of course, the, the cool thing is Jesus was kind of teeing up his own prayer later on in the Garden of Gethsemane, Luke twenty two forty two. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Right. So Jesus was, was really setting the pace for the rest of us when he said, God, yes, there, there's some things that I would like to have happen. Nevertheless... I, I, I bow to your will, that I, I want your will done in my life, Lord. I mean, what, what better prayer is there than that? Yeah, that's great. Uh, no greater example than Jesus himself. Well, you close the message by talking about characteristics of a praying church and how a praying church is different than a church that prays. Um, can you explain kind of the difference between those two? And then Give us a preview of coming attractions and about the journey that Crossgate is on to becoming a praying church. What are some of those next steps? Well, first of all, I think there's a huge difference between uh, a church that prays and a praying church. I mean, look, every church is going to be praying. 
I mean, there's, there, I can't think of a single church I've ever been in my entire life that doesn't have some kind of prayer incorporated into what they do. Uh, but, but, but there's a difference between the superficial and the fundamental. And the fundamental is where you can, you can tell that people are truly desperate for God. You know, they, they truly are depending on God. There's not just this, this uh, you know, perfunctory, you know, let's just sprinkle a little prayer on top of whatever else we have going on. But, but there, there is a, a, a serious commitment to prayer. And you see that in some of the things that I talked about. You look at a church's calendar, right? You look at what they're doing during a, a worship service. And you even, even listen to the people who are praying. Yeah, I mean, it's very easy to, to determine whether someone is serious about it or they're just kind of fooling around and, and going through the motions. Uh, I, I love some of the touch points that, that are emerging at Crossgate Church. Prayer Partner Network, I'm, I'm, just, I'm really looking forward to developing that further. Uh, I, I tell you, I, I have gotten to the point, as I said on Sunday morning, that I just, I, I'm not even sure I want to get up and preach at this point unless there has been this time of prayer, this season of prayer, and people just pressing in with me uh, to the Lord prior to a, a message. Uh, House of Prayer, I love it on Wednesday nights. I hope more of our people uh, you know, in the coming days uh, get, get a sense of, of just what God is doing on Wednesday nights in the House of Prayer in our worship center. Uh, and then, of course, there's some other touch points that are being developed as well. January, man, I am so looking forward to January. I mean, th this will be a comprehensive full-court press on prioritizing prayer in our church. I could go on, but I'll I'll stop there. Okay, that sounds good, and it sounds like a good plan because we're almost out of time for the day. And uh, so with that, we will wrap it up. Bill, thank you so much. Appreciate your time, and we will see you next week. Thanks, Keith. God bless, brother. Thank you for listening to the Welcome to Babylon podcast, a ministry of Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. To learn more, visit us on our website, crossgate.org, or on all of our social media channels.